welcome to another edition of the Stoutcast with your beer-guzzling connoisseur, Bob Moffat. Going solo today, we are at Moxa Brewing in Rockland, California. And with me today, we have Derek Galanosa and Corey Meyer, who have been kind enough to join us for this. It's America Day. Yeah. Happy Independence Day. It's the 4th of July special edition of the Stoutcast. And so what we have in front of us are four very... I don't know if you can call them very American, or but they are definitely brewed in America, but they have all kinds of amazing world flavors in them, which is kind of what makes America great. And so we're going to try two of the entrees here at Moxa, and then we are going to try two others in the middle. So, Derek, we'll start with you, and we will start with our first offering, which is, and you can hear the machinery whirring behind us, so you know we're actually in a brew house, so we're not making this up. So we have the, the Vietnamese coffee in front of us. Tell me about this. So this is a cold steep Viet Vietnamese. Uh, what we did is we uh, take a base recipe and we have this kind of series where we want to showcase uh, single origin coffees. We had our friend Mike from Moster Coffee source some high quality uh, Bourbon Arabica uh, beans from Dalat uh, region in Vietnam. Uh, he got a few pounds of those, roasted them, sent them down to us and um, they just um, add a lot of uh, dark chocolate, dark fruits, uh, kind of characteristics characteristics while not being overshadowed by this big robust imperial stout so it's a, a great showcase of this coffee within this beer um, uh, you taste the coffee taste the beer uh, we didn't get a, or we want to showcase origins that you can really taste uh, there's some that are a little bit too delicate and we want to put them in the beer and there's some that are a little bit too acrid too a little too acidic uh, that we also don't want it to uh, put in the beer. So this is kind of right in the middle. You get a lot of the flavors, a, little, uh, a lot of the uh, nuances of the uh, uh, single origin coffee. So how do you come to a coffee that you like? Do you have to drink the coffee that's made from the beans or is it a scent or what's your... Well, uh, I think we both drink a lot of coffee, so that certainly helps. Um, what you get from infusing coffee into a beer is a little more akin to what you get from a cold brew process. Um, thus why we call the, the beer the cold steep, uh, which is the process that we use um, to infuse the coffee, where we chill the beer down to 32 degrees and then uh, incorporate the coffee at that temperature for a very short period of time. Um, thus we get really intense flavors um, and uh, I think a true representation of the bean. It's, it's not so much like an old pot of coffee that's been sitting out, which you get in some beers. It's more like that aroma you get when you open the bag for the first time. And that's, we're really trying to capture that. Uh, anything else in the process of making it that makes it a, a little bit more difficult or different? Uh, I think uh, just our Imperial Stouts in general, we max out our mash tun, our brew system. Uh, and just try to incorporate as much malt and beer flavor as possible in, in inside of our beverages uh, in our menu that we have here. Uh, and this is just an example of um, going hard on an imperial stout and then really infusing this really high quality coffee in it uh, to create something special. Um, so really it's just our imperial stout process in general uh, is, is pretty special to us uh, just because we take full advantage of our brew house. We uh, try to make this big, robust beer and uh, kind of take it above the recommended um, uh, grain bill amounts that the manufacturer uh, recommends to other people. We kind of just, we, we like creating big beers here. 
And just tell me about the the finish. I mean, it's and again the the desire to get that that scent of coffee more than the taste of an old pot of coffee. You nailed it. Um, but what about the the taste afterwards? It just it kind of follows you for a while. Is that on purpose? Do you like to have it kind of cut off and just disappear? Well, we really like to brew our stouts to have a a real depth and intensity of flavor. Um, one other thing we did in the process of brewing this is think about the coffee as a part of the whole, not just as an addition to the beer. Um, so when we brewed it, we dial back the bitterness from the hops a little bit, knowing that the coffee is going to bring a little bit of that bitterness back. Um, and so you end up with a, a more well-balanced beer in the end. Um, and I think just using probably as we do a, a very large amount of coffee for a short period of time, we get uh, that burst of initial quality flavor without the over-extracted flavors um, that um, you can come by sometimes. Uh, just adding on to the uh, recipe development, we also dial back the roast as well, knowing that we're going to get a lot of roast from the coffee. So um, we, we design our recipes, whatever style, whatever beer they are, uh, knowing what the end result and the end uh, goal is. Uh, so with this, we incorporate the coffee as part of the, um, what, is, what, what does it lend to it? That's what we ask ourselves. So it's going to add uh, roast, um, a lot of like dark, chocolate dark fruit characteristics so we take that into account when we're, when we're building the base recipe so dialing back the bitterness dialing back the roast uh, with the anticipation of uh, the coffee being added to it is um, kind of our thought process throughout the whole uh, beer making process well I can't think of uh, anything that's much more American than having a cup of coffee in the morning present company accepted because if I drink coffee it makes me shake so that's <laughs> but I love the smell of it and I've always I've always wished that I could drink more because I love the smell of it, but I can't, I just can't do that. I just can't drink it because it just, it literally makes me just tremor. And then, then I get drug tested and then there's that whole thing and it's just, it's a, it's a hassle. <laughs> All right. So, um, did you mention the alcohol content of this bad boy? Uh, this one is 11.2%. So it's a, it's a big one, but, uh, we feel that, uh, it's balanced with the sweetness, the bitterness, the coffee to where it's still drinkable. Um, but still incredibly flavorful. So the alcohol really carries well with the, um, the rest of the components. Okay, so we're gonna have a, a moxa sandwich as it were. We're gonna start off with the Vietnamese coffee and then we're gonna end with the Imperial Stout that's gonna be released actually just in a couple of days. And so it's, uh, it's like a sneak preview, if you will. But we're gonna travel uh, upward uh, up the coast and we're gonna head to Portland where we're going to try a breakside Salted caramel stout, lovingly brewed with salt and caramel in collaboration with handmade salt and straw ice cream. Smooth, rich, good to the last spoonful, and it has a scoop of ice cream on the bottom of the upside down beer bottle to make a ice cream cone, if you will. Beyond that, there's almost oh, no information about the beer whatsoever. I mean, my eyes are going, but this really yeah. tiny detail on the other side. Salt and caramel, that's what we Salt get. and caramel, that's <laughs> that's what you know you're going to get. Now, we, we know it's a, a sweet stout, and by going online, uh, thanks to the gentle folks at the Beer Advocate, we have arrived at 6.8% alcohol by volume. And beyond that, um, 
Well, well, you know what? They've advertised their advertisements on the bottle, so let's try some and see what see what we think. Now, while that's settling and we're we're trying to get a handle on that, what's your opinion of trying stouts back to back? and how the one that you just had may affect the one going forward and how many sips it might take to get an accurate gauge of what you're really what you're really looking at uh, because the style is so robust the flavors do carry over for one beer to another if you want to clear out your palate with some uh some water in between or if you really want to taste the next beer uh, but definitely those flavors linger uh, especially with these stronger beers that we produce here, uh, these bigger styles, these bigger IPAs, um, they're going to carry over to the next beer. So um, that is definitely uh, a, um, an attribute um, in detail of uh, some of the styles in general, that style. I often like to bring along Ritz crackers with me and scrape off my tongue yeah, in between, if yeah. that works. Okay. Just, <laughs> rub them, just rub them on your tongue. <laughs> All right, so um, the first one, I... I it, I'm definitely drinking something, but I think I'm confused. I think my, my tongue is confused from the first one. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Don't apologize. <laughs> All right. Your, uh, your thoughts? Well, first off, uh, a stout like this being about half as strong as the last one we just tried, it, my first impression is it being a little bit more thin. Um, not as intense, uh, but I do get a really nice caramel sweetness, um, a tiny bit of that sea salt, um, but somewhat of a restrained roast. Um, you can, I can tell by the color, this one being more of a deep brown um, that, uh, that they eased up on the, the roasted malts a little bit, which makes sense uh, to pair with a more caramel forward flavor. Um, and I do get that coming through nicely. Um, that, I'm enjoying it quite a bit. Yeah, the... Um I do notice the salt dish and how it, you don't really taste the salt, but it kind of rounds it out, kind of rounds out the edges. It's not too uh, bitter, not too alcoholic. Uh, it's, it's pretty gentle on the palate. So I think that's what the salt brought to the, uh, the stout. Uh, and then you do get a lingering caramel uh, finish in here, uh, along with the other um, uh, flavors that the stout provides, chocolate, roast, a um, little breadiness to it. I'm not getting a lot of chocolate. I'm, I'm, I'm not really sure what I'm getting. It's a, I mean, does that make, does that make it balanced? If I'm not sure what I'm getting, because not one thing is overloading my palate. I mean, it is, but you definitely, if you put that on the label, you de you wanna, you wanna taste it. Uh, that's uh, what we've learned from being in the industry. If you put salt, you put caramel, you put stout. You want to taste all of those components of uh, the beer. Um, so I think it works together to. You can pick it out, uh, and maybe it was done a little bit, um, a little bit too much caramel, a little bit too much salt, to where maybe it is losing the uh, what you're saying, the uh, roast or chocolate. But uh, I get that in uh, different doses for for this. All right, so let's describe the bottle, just so if you uh, if you like what you're hearing, then you might run out and buy some. The bottle color is a the label is a. I guess that's a gold with a red stout imprinted on it, which I was very I was very fond of because uh, where we got this over at Final Gravity in Roseville, where they have seven thousand beers or something, and they're all in a row. It's a good um, selection. Right? It's it's really it's a, it's a good it's a good recommendation, right? It's really hard to figure to to find what you're looking for necessarily unless you know exactly what the can or in this case the large bottle looks Ooh. like. So this is a this is a tall boy. 
uh, and it's pretty simple to, like I said, gold label with uh, black lettering and a red stout imprinted on it. Um, right next to it, um, anything else about this one we want to we want to mention? No, we're good. Okay, the the next one is. Um, I, it sort of reminds me of like an old-timey root beer bottle, and it's called Founders Brewing, and I'm guessing that was probably kind of by choice. It's the highly acclaimed, so says, KBS, a flavored stout. And it also says, is good for everything a flavored stout ought to be good for. Somebody's got a <laughs> sense of humor. All brewed with chocolate and coffee, aged in oak bourbon barrels so let's pop the top on that one the label again a lighter gold with some brown and some yellow notes the uh, founders label also has a red sort of a cranberry oval circle around the top of it on the back and i love reading beer labels i don't know why what we've got here is an imperial stout brewed with a massive amount of coffee and chocolates then cave aged in oak barrels for an entire year to make some wonderful bourbon undertones come through in the finish. Makes your taste buds squeal with delight. Let's see how squealing our taste buds shall be. <laughs> now let me ask you while you're pouring, you're, you're a gentle soul when pouring. I like to lift the bottle up and let it and let it just pound into the glass and make as many bubbles as I can. Your theory. Then you then you can't drink it as fast. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I found a way. <laughs> okay. No, just uh, keeping in the um, the carbonation a little bit just kind of helps with uh, uh, the mouthfeel of the beer. Um, so I don't know. That's just naturally how I do it and what I learned over time, I guess. <laughs> and you? Uh, well, it's good to find a good pour is important. Like like Derek said, you want to keep the carbonation in solution, but you also want to release a good head on the beer that really helps to volatize the aromas uh, and really helps with the whole experience. So I'm right. Sure. <laughs> All right. Yeah, this, turn it upside down. Uh, there you go. All right. All right. So this is ours. So let's sample. Well, bourbon certainly the first thing that that hits you right in the mouth and then followed by coffee. I'm not sure I'm getting any chocolate in there, but um, it definitely, and again, and this is something that I think I've said in every episode is, you know, what does it say it's going to promise you and what does it deliver? It it says that these two things are going to come hammering home and, and it, they didn't lie. Yeah. Uh, so about this, uh, it's Kentucky breakfast out. So that's what the KBS stands for. And yeah, so um, this beer has been around for ages. Uh, there's a year date on the back that uh, kind of notes when um, when this beer is made. But uh, yeah, they've been making it every year for as far as I can remember. Uh, but having it distributed out to California, um, that's that's just fairly recently. Uh, but this one, I, I do know so all the flavors that are described, especially coffee. Uh, not too much barrel character, uh, but definitely the coffee comes through for me. You're not getting a lot of barrel character? Not too much compared to some other barrel uh, aged beers that um, I could tell it's there, but uh, not as strong as some other, other ones I've tried. And you, Corey? Well, you mentioned you know, wanting to get punched in the face with all the flavors that are listed on the label, and that's something that we uh, definitely have taken to heart here. So, uh, like Derek said, um, some of the, the stouts that we've tried, and I guess 
calibrating our palates as, as we must do as brewers, unfortunately. Um, we, we come across some that are very, very barrel forward, uh, intense bourbon, some, some beers that smell just like a fresh bottle of whiskey, which is sometimes really nice, sometimes it's a bit much. Um, uh, this one, uh, as you mentioned, is, has been around for a long time, and I get the impression that they may have dialed back the, uh, the aging um, in recent years um, as they begin to produce more, which just makes sense. And um, there's a nice uh, character of oak and a little bit of the vanilla you get from the wood uh, in the background there. It sort of ties it all together. Um, nice coffee in the finish and um, chocolates, I guess, in there somewhere, kind of all mixed in. At what point do you sort you are you going to lose something? Can you can you put four flavors in a beer and say, hey, there's four things in the beer and you're going to taste them all? No, as long as they work and they have to be complementary and the the quantity of each has to has to be balanced in the fact that you can taste each other um, or all the components that you're saying is in the beer. Uh, for this one, I'm, I'm kind of curious to see if uh, it was 100% barrel aged or not. Um, knowing that, uh, how would you tell? Experience, taste, tasting experience, beer drinking experience. They probably won't tell you. Yeah, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I don't know. The the uh, the beers that we've had that were 100 percent uh, barrel aged, they're they're really potent, really strong. Um, with this one, it's kind of dialed back, but with a nationwide distribution footprint, um, it would be kind of smart for them not to release as many barrels and kind of create volume by um, diluting it just a tad with. Fresh, uh, fresh stout. And how would you tell, or what uh, you said, 100% barrel aged? What is what does that mean exactly? Um, not 100% aged for over a year, or, or just aged in the barrel, and um, served as is, rather than brewing a fresh stout or a fresh beer and blending it back down to create more volume. Uh, so just different techniques and just different business practices. It, it kind of, it just. Depends on what your goal is, what you're trying to promote. 12.3% alcohol by volume. According to its website, Founders Brewing does keep them in the cask for an entire year. So Excellent. there we go. All right. So um, I, and I'm i not sure how, yeah, we don't have any music going on in the background. So um, we, generally we try to like you know give the uh, give a uh, kind of a, a gauge as to like excellent very good good or incomplete or not for me so where does it where would this fit for you this one is uh, I, I've been loving KBS for a while I don't think it's uh, the best beer I tried or, or uh, towards the very top there's some crazy ones out there uh, but for a widely distributed barrel aged beer this is towards the top definitely um, and it's drinkable to where you can drink the whole thing there's some that you want to take two three ounces and that's about it uh, but with this one you can buy a whole bottle and enjoy the whole thing yeah I'd say this is definitely a uh, very good on your scale I'm definitely enjoying it and uh, it's it's really nice to be able to go out and uh, buy this now that they are distributing to California whereas it used to be uh, you'd have to really hunt for it or, or find somebody um, to, uh, to share it with you. And there's also a thing where people are trading beers, and apparently your beers are being traded from, previ from a previous life. 
Oh yeah, or you want to speak to just beer or I guess I guess I'll, I'll talk. Yeah, I, 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 I trade beers as well, and that's how I, I've been doing that for a while. Not as much right now, uh, but there is that secondary market where you are in regions that people cannot get that beer. And, uh, and vice versa, you see this beer online, you heard it tastes great, you want to try it, all right, let's swap beers from this region to that region. And um, certain beers uh, have that value, and uh, I think the beers that Corey and I produce um, can gain that kind of value. Um, yeah, hopefully they get to share it with us and bring it into the brewery. That's what I'm hoping for. <laughs> How'd you get into this racket? Uh, well, I personally, I'd been uh, making beer at home in my garage for uh, about seven or eight years and kind of got the idea that I'd like to do this a little bit more than my day job and uh, was lucky enough to get my foot in the door in the industry and um, a few years later, here I am. And, uh, no no turning back. So it, it's, it's just a, a hobby, become passion, become a career, and I'm uh, very happy to be here. And you were down south. Yes, uh, born and raised in San Diego, lived nowhere else beside, uh, and up until last October. And uh, same thing, I um, saw somebody homebrew, saw a friend's dad homebrew, blew my mind, bought some equipment, read a book, just taught myself how to brew and look, tried to learn every day. Uh, a couple years later, graduated with a marketing degree, but put that aside to try to get into the brewing industry and uh, got my foot in the door, climbed the ladder and yeah, here now. and get to create our own recipes and uh, just having fun with it. And our good man, Scott Williams, has come by. He's our audience of one. This is the first time we've ever had an audience. So congratulations, you're our first audience yeah, member. Scott, he's part of the business. He's a partner and CEO, so not a random fan. Thank, thanks for taking that away from me. I, I, was, I was like, hey, we've got a studio audience. No, actually we don't. No, no, All right, and so what do, we, what do we now have in front of us? So this is Indulgence. This is the first member beer that we made exclusively for the members. Uh, they're the only ones that have bottles to go. We may put it on draft here and there at events to just um, get people excited about wanting to join this membership. But uh, this is an Imperial Stout, 14.1%, non-barrel-aged, uh, and we added vanilla, coconut, and cacao nibs uh, to this. Just kind of, it's, it's a cho um, a German chocolate cake inspired beer. So you get a lot of the different components, the sweetness, the coconut, um, and the chocolate uh, going all over your palate. Well, it's it's definitely chocolate. It's mm -hmm. uh, That's the first thing. And then after that is the is the stout, is the imperial stout part of it. It's, um, I don't know, I, I, I've had a couple off of it, I think. <laughs> Here's one that's good to let warm up. Um, it's pretty cold off the taps and those flavors are really kind of hidden down in there and as the beer warms they really start to change as you work your way down the glass. Yeah and since you brought it up and it's a great point and I guess a great follow-up question I hope is do you keep the different beers at different temperatures when they're coming off the tap or do you try to? Uh, we would like to, but uh, the way we have our draft system set up here, um, we only have one large box, and they all get set at the same temperature. So unfortunately, we're not able to do that as much as we'd like to, but um, I think uh, a beer like this sits in front of you as you kind of work on it slowly, and by the end of the glass, you will have had the full experience. Better buy, better buy another beer, let this warm up, as you drink the other one that uh, can be desirable at colder temperatures. This one will be your dessert. That is a marketing major there, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> Sold. <laughs>
Okay, and now I think we're done with this one. Sure. The, the la- we've saved the best for last. <laughs> it's in a white bottle. Moxa Brewing Company. It's a bottle which appears to be made of uh, leaves with flowers on it, upside down. It's called the Lush Imperial Stout with vanilla, pecans, and cacao nibs. 11.0% alcohol by volume in a 500 milliliter, or in America, 16 ounce bottle. 69. (laughs) 16.9, 16.9, sorry, 16.9, 16.9, yes, but I can't see anymore because okay. I'm old. So, All right, yeah, that's the lowest font and, we can go, I guess. And then on, the, then on the back are a bunch of warnings and blah, blah, blah. All, and the, all the legal stuff. There you go. Yeah. And it says, recycle to rebirth, born to be fresh. <laughs> all right, let's, where is it? Right here. Okay. I gotta say, I I think we actually did save the best for last, and so here's what we do sometimes: is we will go to a brewer, we will try their wares, we will compliment them greatly, and then we will go off into a quiet room somewhere and say, "All right, so what did you really what did you really think?" Because you don't really wanna you don't really wanna you know come out and and you know say one thing or the other because sometimes you might insult the brewer or you might overly compliment them because they're sitting right in front of you mm-hmm. me i don't really have a filter so <laughs> i'm oh, we're good that's fine we, yeah. we love feedback yeah. so the first the first poll was really fantastic right i really i got is there chocolate correct okay yeah. i got hit with chocolate like immediately it was like bam that's chocolate um and then the second one, I got a whole bunch of other different flavors that come in. And is, I guess, what causes that? Or what caused that with this particular beer? But, you know, I mean, sometimes you'll have one and it's like, okay, oh, hey, that's a thing. And then you take a second one you're like, oh, wait a minute, that's not that thing. That's something else. Uh, we take a lot of inspiration in uh, layering flavors, um, specifically from, uh, at least uh, for me, I think for both of us, uh, like chefs, the culinary arts, how you can take these different components within a dish and create these um, just marrying flavors of uh, uh, in one bite. And uh, we want to do that in the beer. Uh, so we took uh, an imperial style base and we added toasted pecans, toasted Texas pecans, uh, Tahitian vanilla beans, and a, a combo of uh, once toasted Ecuadorian cacao nibs and twice toasted Ghanaian cacao nibs uh, and we filtered the beer through those uh, ingredients for about a week until we thought they all came together so initially when we did those treatments uh, first you get the uh, first we got the pecans and then the cho- uh, the vanilla kind of came in and then the chocolate came in we ran it for a couple other days and then once we were able to taste everything and it was all harmonious uh, then we stopped the treatment and uh, carved it up and packaged it so um, it's, it's all about creating the flavors to where you could tra- taste mm-hmm. everything and uh, we enjoyed what your review of saying that you tasted this then you tasted this it's pretty much a 10 second sip uh, an experience where you taste this the first couple seconds then the next couple seconds you taste the pecans and then the lasting flavors will be the chocolate and it's all different for everybody depending on your palate and, and the longer it the longer it permeates it's it, then it's really gone to vanilla and that's really what I'm what I'm experiencing and um, and vanillas to me personally has always been a, 
has been a difficult thing to master for at least for my palate because it's not it's just it's difficult it's really difficult i think maybe because we're expecting like you know van imitation vanilla out of the bottle hey we're gonna put on some ice cream and that's not what that's not what this is so maybe it's just like a, a matter of getting used to it but um yeah i i, I kind of i like how it's balanced and i like how that 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 unusual vanilla which i guess is real vanilla takes a while to kind of get there and they're like oh hey that's what that's supposed to be yeah and uh, i think we both feel that there's absolutely no substitute for real fresh vanilla beans and uh, in this beer in particular we used over a thousand dollars worth of uh, vanilla beans um, tahitian um, vanilla beans uh, that were infused over the course of a week and uh, the the flavor you get from there is is nothing like an extract that you might use in your cookies um, like you mentioned it's it's a much more pure rounded rich flavor um, that we feel really helps to bring together the other components um, of beers like this uh, like the pecans have like a sharp roasty nutty edge the cacao nibs have a little bit of bitterness and the rich chocolate and the vanilla just kind of brings it all together um, into uh, an experience that you can taste uh, like one thing the first time around and then maybe as your palate becomes primed to the bitterness from the cacao nibs um, it's not as sensitive to that anymore and anymore and then uh, the vanilla starts to come out and then the pecans start to come out of the aroma as the beer warms up and it becomes a whole drinking experience like that <laughs> our our audience member just <laughs> shouted out from beyond uh, ask about the middle tank what's in the middle tank and where's it going so it's a beer that we brewed with uh, Tornado San Francisco, which is a, one of the top beer bars in America, if not the world. Uh, just high quality beer, uh, great ambiance, and um, just a great place to be for craft beer. And they've been around for over 30 years. So we're making a beer for their next anniversary, their 31st, 31st anniversary. It's gonna be an imperial stout, but then we're gonna blend it down with 30% uh, by volume of uh, raspberry puree so it's to just be this dessert uh it, it's the the description is uh imperial style uh, what, what are we calling it uh vanilla and raspberry ice cream stout we're gonna add some lactose to it which is some milk sugar giving it that cream element but then uh it's gonna have uh some slightly sharp very fruity characteristics of having so much uh raspberry in there so, anything else to add to that or? Uh, yeah, this is just another symptom of wanting to do as much as possible into these beers and then even more than that. So we originally were going to put, uh, I think we talked about doing 10% by volume of raspberries to get like that, that vanilla raspberry swirl in there and then eventually we ended up at 30% because why not? <laughs> more is always better and we've yet to reach the ceiling where <laughs> that's uh, failed us. <laughs> And I guess just uh, I, I I tried a what did they call it red velvet chocolate cake. It was a stout. This is in Boston, and the stout was actually one of the worst I've ever had. And then they mixed it in with some raspberry liqueur, and then called it red velvet, and that just made it worse. So so how do you how do you make sure that that um, abomination that happened there doesn't get repeated? Uh, we can't we emphasize so much using real ingredients that's what we do and 
if you have real ingredients that you know what it tastes like versus uh, a chemical extract or or some other way of maintaining those flavor or getting those flavors like a fake compound that simulates these flavors using the real thing using real fruits using real vanilla beans there's no substitute that's what we found and through our experience and uh, not only here but previously um, that's what we're going with uh, moving forward. Uh, you taste real ingredients, uh, and there's no substitute for that. Yeah, like Derek said, the real thing is uh, you can't go wrong. I mean, a raspberry is 100% raspberry, and that's not offensive in any way. And if we were to use a, a fruit extract, uh, those easily become just quite disgusting, honestly. Uh, another thing that we do quite often is um, take our beers on a very small scale and blend in the ingredients um, on a, in a trial dose. So maybe we'll make uh, a pint of a beer that we blend with vanilla beans or we blend with raspberries and then make see like, okay, yeah, that works. And then we'll scale back up and, uh, you know, at that point spend thousands of dollars on <laughs> making the beer. <laughs> so from Rockland, California to... Portland to Michigan, uh, we have covered, what is that, it's three fiftieths, which means really we have 16 more of these to do for the next 16 years. We're going to have to hit like another, another, another 47 states. states. Yeah. So we're going to be busy over the next 16 years doing this. So we want to thank Corey Meyer, Derek Galanosa, and Moxa Brewing for having us here. Happy Independence Day, gentlemen. You too. Thanks you for too. coming Thank by. you. Yeah. And that'll do it for the Stoutcast. Thank you for joining us. See you next time.